Well, boys and girls, welcome once again to another episode of the Irish in Sweden podcast. Not too many of them left now in 2023, but be jays, there'll be plenty more in 2024. My name is Philip O'Connor. You are listening to a podcast that comes out every week at seven o'clock on a Monday morning, for the most part. With the odd, the odd time doesn't make it, and you know these things happen. But uh, yeah, and it brings you all the community news and the things that are happening and the story of the extraordinary people in this community and we have a great story today I'm going to be talking to Carrie Cook at her exhibition which is going on in the centre of Stockholm all about sustainable textiles and uh, beautifying your home and she made some amazing stuff but she also has some fascinating things to say about clothes and about what happens um, in terms of you know the stuff we use and fabrics that we use and how that is all made. Um, over the weekend here now, I'm talking to you on Sunday evening before putting this out at 7 o'clock on the Monday morning, right? And I've been experimenting with something, right? Because there's been a lot of talk lately, uh, but you know, people in the embassy and people in businesses and all that kind of thing. And the podcast is great, but it's very much sort of one-way conversation. I put it out there. You might like it on social media. You might not. You might be keeping yourself to yourself. But there's a sort of a need for a little bit more sort of regular communication, if you will. So I'm after setting up a WhatsApp community. What's a WhatsApp community, says you? I'm not entirely sure, lads, but I set it up the other night anyway. And what you can do in a community, which I've called Irish and Sweden after the podcast is I've created groups under there right for sport and for events and for business and for music and culture I think it was because it struck me that um, these podcasts come out once a week and indeed actually it was something that Carrie said to me as well because her exhibition at Drottningholmsvägen 20 in Stockholm is going on until the 20th of December and when we were going to do the interview that you're about to hear her daughter was sick, so she had to postpone the interview. And then she was going, well, hang on a second, if I postpone it much more, the exhibition is going to be over and people aren't going to have a chance to come in and see what I'm doing. So that's part of it as well. And the other thing is that, you know, things crop up. Uh, the, the first big one for me, I suppose, was when Guinness Zero arrived on the scene. I don't know if you remember there, but a year, year and a half ago, and you couldn't find it anywhere in Stockholm for love nor money, and you had Paddy Black send me a text message going, I've seen some in Tabby, I'll get it for you. And then somebody else going, oh, I've seen some in End Shopping. And that. So it's just to provide an extra channel that's there all the time where we can put out information um, you know if things are happening uh, when Brian Downey of Thin Lizzy you will have heard a, a little bonus podcast with him recently he was over doing a little mini Swedish tour and again that was one of those things that didn't fit into the timing of the podcast so I just put it out there as quick as I could because I wanted people to go and see Brian and that so this is there and it's not just there for you as a sort of a consumer of these things right because an awful lot of you are involved in sport and you're involved in Spuds and Sill the theatre group, you're involved in the Swedish Irish Society, uh, you might be involved in importing food, you might be involved in any sort of events or that kind of thing, right? So it's there for you. I haven't tried it now because I'm the sort of the community admin. So but obviously I can do whatever I like. No, I can't do whatever I like, but I, I can sort of, you know, I have all the control over it. So to be honest, I don't know how it looks for you as a member in inverted commas of that, if you can reply, if you can do anything there. But the idea is, in any case, to be able to put those things in there, to let you know about, you know, upcoming Gaelic football and hurling tournaments and Kabogi tournaments, that kind of thing. Uh, if there's a gig going on, if there's a, if Spuds and Sill have a play going on, if there's a minister coming over to visit and the 
that's if it's something that the Irish community is invited to, well then we can we can use that as a channel for that, right? So in social media, I'll be popping it out there. I think I might have already put it out there on the Irish and Sweden Instagram page. But uh, come looking for me and I'll give you the link and you can join the communities. Now, I think it was Carrie who said to me that she's no interest in sport. So you don't have to join the sports community if you don't. You don't want to, you know, if you don't like sport and you don't want things popping up in your WhatsApp about sport, and sweet, that's grand. Work away. Take from it what you will. Take from it what you enjoy and what you want to have and give back whatever you can. So that's, it's just another sort of string to the bow because uh, on St. Patrick's Day there we set up the IrishAndSweden.com website and now we have this and we're just sort of, you know, adding to these things all the time, right? With all that in mind, I would very much appreciate it if you could consider sponsoring me now for the rest of the year or in 2024, right? Uh, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash man in Stockholm. Uh, five a month there would make all the difference and it would be great for me to be able to have that sort of, you know, a regular sort of uh, regular occurrence where I can predict it, you know? Uh, if that's not your thing and if you'd rather do it, you know, on an ad hoc basis, you can swish a few bob to 123-24-24166. That's 123 so yeah, switch a few bob there if you want. You could like I think the the five a year for Patreon it works out like six hundred crowns for the year, right? So if you want to switch that, you work away. If you've had a bit of an old lot, if you're winning the horses, like Bertie Ahern, uh, that would be great. And I will be coming to companies in the new year. Now that we have a package of different channels and things for people to be able to communicate in, I will be looking to the companies that are active in Sweden in the new year for a bit more sponsorship and see it as a sort of a corporate social responsibility thing. I may not be able to sort of you know, I could do job ads for you absolutely, but that may not be what your brand what your company needs right so see it as corporate social responsibility that you're helping me to provide a service for the people who work for you and the people that maybe the people that you're doing business with as well in Sweden so uh, yeah if you can support me in any way I would very much appreciate it and last but not least these podcasts will always be free right I've said it before on this podcast that um it's coming up to the anniversary now of when I had fucking no money in 1999 and I will never create a sort of a financial barrier to be able to listen to this content so it'll always be free but if you can't afford to pay a few bob for the podcast or swish a few bob or go and patch it that's grand but please do share it right so if you, and by that I mean it's not necessarily because I know like you know there's no sense in, uh, in sending it to your man drum a hair like she, she might not be interested in that or in Roscommon or whatever right but you might be working with somebody at Ericsson or you might be working alongside someone Somebody in the international school and don't take it for granted that they know that the podcast exists or that it comes out every week at seven o'clock because as I say a little piece of me dies every time I am um I meet somebody in the embassy or I meet somebody at some do somewhere they go oh I didn't know you had a podcast and that just breaks me heart because I spend so much much time trying to, to get in touch with people about it so if you can help me there to reach new people and who knows maybe they might want to come on the podcast and share their stories as well right uh, there was two Christmas dinners in Stockholm and in Malmö last night haven't had any reports and the Stockholm Gales uh, got, got together in Stockholm last night for a few drinks at the L Dublin our former sponsor pub hopefully they'll get back uh, on the sponsor trail with the Stockholm Gales next season that's a very exciting club there very exciting things happening with the Viking Gales as well uh, so if you are in the mood for sponsoring don't just sponsor me lads get stuck into the GA clubs and the soccer clubs and everything else as well um, so yeah that was all going on I've no reports from that just yet to bring you but I will bring you them in due course no, no doubt there's been somebody in the community who's been there who will be in touch during the week and we can bring you a little bit of news about them but what we have been doing was that uh, Carrie King very cleverly managed to get her lovely husband to stay at home the other day 
and I was able to nip into town and to meet her in the gallery. The gallery is called Made By and it's at Drottningholmswegen 20, right? So it's right at Friedhelmsplan. It's actually the same kind of building as Friedhelmsplan's Tunnelbana Station. Try saying that after a few boomers, right? That wouldn't be the easiest thing in the world. I can't even manage it sober. Uh, but yeah, so that's where it's on. And the stuff that's in there, it's I think it's actually somebody that Carrie studied with who's putting the whole exhibition together. And it's amazing, right? Not cheap, but really amazing stuff. And if interior design and uh, having a beautiful home is your thing, it's definitely something you're going to want to see. But do you want a part of you, Bob? That's up to you. But it's definitely something you, you're going to want to see. So uh, get in there and see the exhibition. But why won't we? Let's have a little. Uh, listen to the old chat now with Carrie Cook and I'll be back to you to close it all up when we're done talking to her. This is your bit this over bit. here, Carrie Cook. Right, Let, let's start at the very beginning. <laughs> the Made By Gallery on Drottningholmswegen 20 in the centre of town. And these things are made by Carrie Cook. How did that come about? Yeah, well, there's a few things that are made by me, but there's also things made by 30 plus other artists wow. in this space. So this is a temporary exhibition. So it's on for a month until the 20th of December. Um, and it is put together by Maria Westerberg, mm. who uh, was previously a student at Handelbetted Svenner, where I also studied. Okay. And she got in touch with the school and with lots of other artists that she knew and said, look, I've had a chance to have this empty shop front for a month between the middle of November and the middle of December. Would anyone like to exhibit some creations? And so she's pulled together all of this amazing work Lots of it handcrafted, lots of photography, lots of artwork, textile work. Yeah. That's the thing. It, like, it's such an eclectic mix of stuff when you come in the door. Uh, just as soon as I came into the left there, there are sort of armchairs made out of books, which are fantastic. This is Maria's own work, I believe. It is indeed. It is indeed. And also then the, the chairs with the sort of fabric woven in and out of them, those are, those are also her work, which are using dead stock uh, fabric left over from the textile industry so she's a woman after my own heart with reuse and uh, being very environmentally minded. Because the first time we met you were at a business breakfast for the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden and you were telling me that that's what you were studying and that it was very much to do around sustainability and recycling and doing uh, doing more with less and reusing stuff and that kind of thing. How did you wind up on that particular track in what you're doing? Yeah um, so I had been an interior designer prior to moving to Sweden and uh, was really interested in uh, the, the kind of issues around textile waste and human rights and just the whole textile industry being really broken and, and a bit of a mess. What, what are the big problems with the textile industry for, uh, you know, for those who wouldn't be in the know? Yeah, I mean, big problems in terms of uh, where things are coming from. So we use a huge amount now of polyester, which is made from oil which we shouldn't be using, and very difficult to reuse and it doesn't biodegrade. We also just wasting a huge amount of textiles. So in Europe, we throw away between 12 and 15 kilos per person of textiles every year. And only 1% of that is recycled. 
What happens with the rest, right? Because I'm sure, especially here in Sweden, we've all gotten used to sorting things into our different bins. We all go down with the pant and that kind of thing. Great money maker for the kids after the Gaelic football tournaments, you know. But uh, people bring their sort of textiles to places to be recycled. But that is it, is it that it can't happen? Are they not the kind of textiles that can be recycled? Exactly. So there's there's a big gap at the moment in terms of investment in in recycling of textiles. So. Now there's there is some really great tech happening. There's some really exciting things happening. So in Finland and in Sweden and in other parts of the Nordics, especially, there's some great recycling plants who are able to break down fibers and split them out. So most of the problems with the textiles that we buy are that they're made from mixed materials. So most of the things will be like a mix of polyester and cotton, or have like five percent of nylon in with the wool. And as soon as you do that, it makes it really complicated to recycle. And it's also expensive to recycle. So a lot of companies just send those to the global south and we end up with huge mountains of clothing waste in places like Chile. They you know, go into the, the local markets. We think we're sending them for people to wear in other places, but actually they drown out the local textile economy and also just end up being a huge environmental cost because people, they can't be reused in that in the quantity that we're sending them mm. and yeah there there are t- a lot of them are really toxic they don't break down for a long time so we've got a real big problem but there are solutions coming the european uh parliament is bringing in some great new legislation over the coming years they've already brought in some of it that, that's a sentence you don't hear every day the yeah, european parliament. <laughs> i'm excited about the new legislation i'm excited about how how that how things are changing how will that change things because there is this thing that everywhere we go we're in freelance plan now so there's an orleans next door to us mm-hmm. i'm sure there's an h&m within a stone's throw of here okay. that you know so how will that affect what we find you know on the hangers and on the shelves in these shops yeah i hope it's going to change a lot i mean uh, some people may know that uh Earlier this year, H&M got a big slap on the wrist and a big fine. It seems to be an annual slap on the wrist. Yeah, and that was to do with greenwashing, which was part of the legislation. And there's now new legislation coming in, which is to do with product passports. So you have to show where all of the elements from that uh, garment or piece of home textiles was made, from the fibre right through to the dyeing, right through to the piecing, and where it's been in its journey. So a lot of things have moved around the world a lot of times. And then there's another piece of legislation coming in about not burning textiles, which is really, really exciting. So a huge number of brands overstock because it's very difficult to predict what people are going to buy year on year. It's really done the back of a postcard. The logistics are pretty questionable, the way that they put these things together. And so they massively overorder. And then when they come to the end of the season and that is no longer in fashion, if they can't sell it cheap on the sales, they burn that perfectly good clothing and that has to stop so in europe that is gonna that legislation is coming in in the next year that there will no longer be any more burning and what's coming off the back of that then as well is that we will need to be looking after all of our textiles in terms of the sec- the next life of it so that is to do with the extended producer liability so that is where if you're the brand, you have to pay a percentage of the value of that towards the recycling of that product. So if you, and this is already in place in France and the Netherlands, it's maybe not a high enough charge, but it's getting there. And that's 
a really interesting piece of legislation because it means that the retailer remains responsible for that garment even after you're finished using it. Mm. So, yeah, there's some there's some cool stuff happening and, you know, some changes coming that are going to come fast and, and we're going to be, yeah, in a time of change. When, when I hear you say that, right, immediately I go, that's just going to make things more expensive because these things, it's always the consumer that ends up, even if you're saying, right, the responsibility may rest with the retail, the consumer always ends up paying. Do you expect this... To, do you expect to see higher prices You know, when we go buying clothes now from the 1st of January or whenever this legislation comes into force? Yeah, I mean, it'll probably be one more year. It'll be, yeah, maybe another six months before all of it comes in. Um, but there will be an increase in, in cost, but also an increase in quality is what the purpose is, that garments are designed to last longer, that they're designed to be repaired, and they're, they're designed to be you know, handed on to somebody else and still useful. And then at the end of their life, they're designed to be recycled and put back into the system. Mm. So moving towards a circular economy for textiles is where the intention is. So there will be a really difficult bit in the middle as all change requires. Um, But yeah, I think it's important that we move away from blaming consumers and saying like, oh, it's all your fault for buying the cheap stuff on the shelves, Mm. you know, if the quality was better, we wouldn't need to buy as much. If we knew that picking up a you know, polyester dress, actually you're only going to wear that a couple of times and the seams are going to start going and, oh, actually it's a bit sweaty. Oh, I should have bought something that was made from linen or cotton or even viscose is a better choice. So a lot of it is about providing consumers with a better choice. It's a fascinating thing because there was, a, I think it was an economist years ago who talked about this thing of shoes. You know, if you buy a good pair of shoes and they last your lifetime, retailers don't really want you to do that. Though. They want you to come back next year as well. So how are they going to react to this? Because if there's one thing commercial entities are good at, it's they'll find any loopholes, like water finding the path of least resistance. You know, do you foresee any problems in the legislation that you've seen so far? Yeah, and I think those those problems are mostly going to affect the the big brands who are massively overproducing and uh, using a lot of low paid labour where people aren't being properly cared for and properly paid. Um, and I'm co- okay with them having problems. I think there's space for small brands coming up, for small businesses that are trying to do things differently, for companies and communities that are trying to make a better better textile industry. I'm hoping there's space for for new new ways of doing things. You mentioned your own background in interior design, but this is quite specific. When you talk about linens and fabrics and, and that kind of thing, it's quite specific. What was it that drew you to this particular sector, so to speak? Um, I think when I worked in interior design, I did a lot of like uh, building work and like big construction projects and worked in some... Uh, yeah, I can just kind. imagine you were Bob the Builder hat. Like. Absolute Bob the Builder, uh, but uh, which was really fun and really interesting. But the bits I always liked were the fixtures and the finishes, and they used to call me the cushion plumper. They'd be like, all right, you can do some cushions. So, you know, I really have always loved textiles, even since I was a, a little kid, was always ripping up bits of things to dress my Barbies in and, and all sorts. So, yeah, I've always wanted to be involved in, in textiles more directly. And when we moved here in 2018, I was looking at setting up a sustainable home textiles sort of online store, which was a lot of other people's things, bringing in some things from places like Cambodia, where there were some great little startups and community projects working with really sustainable textiles and paying their 
laborers really well and uh, then I kept getting a little bit stuck on that uh, particularly because I realized I'm not that techy and I don't actually really enjoy sitting behind a laptop all day and uh, I was working with a, a life coach at the time and she asked me well what would you do if you couldn't fail and I said I would I would design and make my own stuff and then I had the opportunity to go to Handel Bettetzwener which is a textile school here in Stockholm and I thought okay well it's the pandemic not not much is going to happen on my tiny business I will give myself a year and I'll I'll go and learn how to weave on an old Swedish floor loom so and I just loved it so so much and the slowness of it being very different to the pace of life in London and that sort of constant churn of like refresh change things up make a new interiors take things out put something new in and actually being more considerate about the materials and how long it was going to take to make something and that was just it was just so fun I just loved it so much and I ended up staying there for another two years and doing the full three year <laughs> okay, come on you're done get out <laughs> yeah I'm like okay the business will have to wait another couple of years but um I'm you, really glad you, mu- you must feel though exactly that you have a much better foundation for what you're doing now exactly and getting a real understanding of what it means to make something so that I think people forget that like they, they consider sort of clothes and, uh, and homeware that you buy in the shop to be machine made and although the fabric was machine made everything has touched human hands in the piecing of it so there are people sitting at uh, sewing machines all around the world sewing all of these items together they're all handmade and it all takes time and that was really valuable for me to sort of be be in it be next to the fabric be next to the textiles and really get an understanding of what what it means to make something that actually there is work that goes into it there's raw materials that goes into it that someone has grown or someone has nurtured those sheep and shorn those sheep and manufactured the wool you know there's so many stages um yeah, it's given me a real understanding and appreciation and knowledge. Apart from learning to weave on a big old-fashioned Swedish loom, um, we'll we get into the subject of dyeing fabrics and that kind of thing mm. in a second, but what kind of things, because like three years of long education, so it must have been pretty comprehensive, or did you have to do a lot of stitching, sewing, darning, dyeing, all that kind of thing? What's yeah, you're doing? so lots of, lots of learning about dyeing, both with chemical dyes and with natural dyes, lots of embroidery, um, there was a tiny bit of knitting, which which wasn't my favourite, um, but also you know things like spinning wool from you know from the fleece and that, that's a lot pretty of textile hard. history as well, and, and and learning about textile you know materials and different yeah it was pretty comprehensive and all in Swedish, so you know I've got fair play to you. You get a gold star from me for that one. <laughs> exactly, uh, my first few weeks were pretty scary. I was like, oh no. Was it very difficult? Yeah, it was at the beginning. I found the Swedish quite challenging. I had kind of basic Swedish, but, uh, you know, you get there. And also because it was so practical, it was all hands-on. And because, although a lot of universities had to close during the pandemic, because it's a craft school and it's hands-on, passed from the teacher's hand to the student's hand, that's how you learn. And so they kept us open for the whole time. So wow. we were really lucky. I felt very fortunate to be there. To actually um, have somewhere to go during the pandemic. I know. <laughs> Everyone else was stuck in their home offices and I was getting on a boat from NACA over to your Gordon and, and uh, going and talking about textiles with other 
weaving nerds and yeah, fantastic great. okay turn me into a weaving nerd here right talk yeah, to me about textiles right. what are we looking at here so in front of us here there's a bench there's a, about 10 or 12 cushions on mm-hmm. it and there's a mat what looks like a mat on the wall you're going to yeah. slap me now if I get that wrong yeah, yeah. and then there's a throw or a shawl just hanging yeah, from the circular that's, that's a blanket yep and there's another little blanket down there. Now, so just before you get into that, right? I'm gonna give you my review, my my ignorant man's <laughs> review, right? They look very stylish altogether. I can imagine them being in, you know, when you have a home styler over when you're trying to get the extra four million for your apartment and that kind of thing. They look really, really high end. I'm just looking at there's some tassels here on the cushions, right? Yeah. And they look handmade but not in a cheap-ass way, right? <laughs> so tell me what it is that we're looking at then. Or have I got any of that right? Have you I? got lots of that right, <laughs> absolutely. So the uh, biggest blanket is uh, part of my graduate collection, which was called Yesterday Forever. Mm-hmm. And so that is all hand-dyed using the tiniest amount of chemicals I could possibly use. Uh, so it was less than five grams of, of dye used across the whole project, which had many more pieces than are here. Um, and it's got this diamond motif that for me represents how valuable textiles are, how important they are, how we need to look after them, that they should be treasured. Um, and so that something that has been made in this way should be looked after, it should last you a lifetime. Mm. Um, and so that's woven on, a, um, on an eight shaft floor loom uh, by my own fair hands. How many... Minutes, seconds, hours, would something like that take? Uh, that took me about a week and a half. Just as I was asking that question, you got that thousand yard stare, like people have been in Vietnam going, you went there, man, you yeah, don't know how we was, suffered. It, it was long. And actually, I made two of them on the same warp. And, and what's interesting about this kind of way of weaving is that the setup is the longest thing. So ideally, you want to do multiple pieces on the same warp. Hmm. Um, and then from that, I used all the leftovers I made some cushions that are a kind of a patchwork style using all of the off cuts from when I they're not on this display right now but mm-hmm. they uh, were uh, from all of the off cuts so when I was testing and doing little test patches to get the design right I then remade them into new pieces so there wasn't any waste and then all of the yarn that I had tested with so in order to get the colors just right i had to do a lot of small batch testing so little five gram bunches of yarn that i dyed in the lab and uh i had some of those left over so instead of throwing them away i made new a new design using those which are these these three here which are all you know a new warp made with those kind of peachy Mm. grays and things and using the same same material so that that would kind of not be wasted so that and those are called the yesterday cushions Mm -hmm. because they're made with the yesterday yarn from the other uh, production my mum used to always call our dinners that were made of leftovers she used to say what's for dinner and she'd say all my yesterdays (laughs) so I I call those for her because I think it's a really valuable thing to do to use your well it certainly keeps the idea of sustainability and circularity top of mind Carrie I'm very struck but the precision uh, in, if we look at the blanket here, right, mm. you have the blue and on either side of that you have the grey, then you have the white, then you have other colours coming in there. And you mentioned, you know, dyeing yarn and five grams of dye and that kind of thing. And mm. I like, I, I just have this image of you as the Irish washerwoman with this big saucepan throwing dye in and throwing fabric <laughs> in. But it's a much more precise skill than that, right? There's a bit more maths in it than that, but there are big saucepans, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of boiling of boiling of wool and uh, putting in small amounts of dye and trying to get the, the right tones, uh, which I find really fun. 
done, actually. It's one of my favorite parts of the process is coming from uh, an inspiration image. So this was actually inspired by British Bay Beach, which is where I grew up. And uh, a kind of on a wet day when it's all kind of grays and mm. blues and the big skies and, you know, that sort of peachy tone of as the, as the sun's setting on a winter day. Um, and so I was very specific about the colors I was trying to get. Um, did you drive yourself mad trying to get them, did you? A little, especially <laughs> that kind of peachy tone is, is actually a really difficult color yeah. to find, but uh, we got there in the end. But there's a lovely light on the floor that really brings that out, and I can imagine that you probably went around going, okay, I, like, if I succeed with nothing else in this exhibition, that peachy tone has to be visible. Is that Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It was hard won, that peachy tone. When you do all these things by hand, a week and a half for a blanket, right? And then we talked a little bit, out, a bit earlier on about, you know, the mass producers and how they do things, right? The, it, what you have to charge for these pieces like you know can you actually make money compared to the time and the effort and the, the skill that goes into these things because you know there's always a limit no matter how good your work is yeah not yet is the answer um, <laughs> but uh, just podcast maybe may, may the breakdown we've been looking for I think it's about trying to find a business model that that works so I have some other pieces that are machine made for me in Klesbols who make all of the Nobel Prize uh, linens for the big oh, Nobel wow. dinner they just delivered them all um, and they do some tea towels for me I went and spent a few days down there with them in March um, and so I've designed those pieces and then they make them for me in 100% European linen which is again a really sustainable uh, textile to be using so kind of I think maybe having a combination of some things that are made by me and then some things made designed by me and made by others in a sustainable way um some of my current pieces that are on the loom are bigger wall hanging type pieces so at the moment i've got uh, this collection here and then also the ones that are plant dyed so these ones are made with um avocado stones so that these are dyed with food waste um and, and those ones with pomegranate shells left over from Oh, okay, okay. Back up the truck. Okay. Hell on. <laughs> because one of the things you said to me as well is like, it was partially the reason for having this conversation is that you were, t I think you were telling me about something that you dyed with tea. And I was just going, and filing that away there, going, I have to ask Harry about this at some point. <laughs> How does that process work when you get an avocado stone yeah. or pomegranate? Is it the seeds? Is it the skin? Is it the fruit? It's the skin. It's the skin. So what you want to be doing is using the waste material from it. So oh, gotcha. you've, you've eaten your avocado, you've eaten your pomegranate, you've eaten your onions, they're great as well. Well, so you can create natural color from lots of things okay. some of them are more fast than others so if you were to wash it how many times would you wash it before it came out all, all your white like t-shirts look like onions exactly <laughs> um but actually the things like avocado actually are really really fast you do mordant them with something before so you can either use soy or you can use alum which is a, a chemical um but that that helps it to sort of stay for as long as possible um, but yeah, really just boil up the avocado shells and the avocado stones and they create this beautiful peachy pink colour, um, which I find really fun to work with. And, and do you boil that down then? Do you dip the fabric into it? I'm just, I'm fascinated by the process because it's something that obviously I know nothing about. <laughs> you, you actually can do lots of things with it. So you extract the colour first and then obviously take the, the stones and things out and sieve it nicely. Um, and then you, for me, I use uh, raw wool. So I use either white or grey natural coloured wool. Um, but you can also do it with fabric. So if you have some old t-shirts, you can definitely give it a try can water it down a little bit and you you heat it up to about 60 degrees 
and then uh, it it'll change color it's pretty magic how easy is it to predict the result right because you've talked about this peachy color this peachy tone that was so important to you yeah. <laughs> because i could just imagine doing it a hundred times going nope not yet nope nearly exactly exactly and actually that was the reason that i didn't do my graduate project with natural dyes because i was on a short time span and i thought i know exactly what i'm looking for i'm gonna do it in a way that I could reproduce. So if somebody said to me tomorrow, oh, can you make me 10 of those blankets? Happy to take that phone call. Mm. Um, I could reproduce that color that is in the blanket quite easily because I have the recipe. Mm. I'd be able to make that yarn color again. With things like pomegranates and avocados and and onions, there is an unpredictability about exactly what color you're going to get because they've come from nature and they're all slightly different. But you kind of get a range of... A range of colours. When you get that range of colours, would you get that in, like, say if we got two white t-shirts now mm. and used your onion colouring and that kind of mm-hmm. thing, would both of them turn out the same way or are they dependent on other factors like temperatures and that kind of thing? Definitely depends on temperature. It also depends on exactly what that t-shirt is made from. So if it was 100% cotton, that'll come out one way. But if it was made from an animal fabric like silk or wool, it would come out differently because those fibres behave differently they absorb colour in a different way because of the structure and would that vary from wool to wool like you know if you're using wool from different breeds of sheep or that, because they're going to have sort of different characteristics issues is there a risk there that you know it's not going to be exactly as you thought yeah there's a risk but there's also a lot of fun because when we're trying to move away from this big industrial process of the way that textiles are currently made mm. actually like finding the joy in the unpredictability of it mm. finding ways to uh, have things be a little bit more individual in your home or in your clothes that they don't all look like everybody walking down the street that it's it's a little bit different it has some personality <laughs> it's not so much a risk as a possibility in that case kind of thing, yeah right? and I think that's a big part in my work um, is looking at materials in a different way than other people so when you design a collection normally what you do is you start from the sketch and then you find the materials or you have it dyed to match a lot of my more recent work is looking at the materials that I already have and then designing off the back of that. So actually I dyed the yarn first and then I designed off the back of that. I often work with uh, dead stock yarn, so that's overstock from mills or um, that I have gathered to me because people like to give me yarns. Uh, don't he, look onto the beds in our house. He's not here, but I can see your husband rolling his eyes as we speak. <laughs> I know. And so, but you know, to me, it's really fun to look at those and pull them together and say, well, what can I do with this? How can I recreate something new from what I have rather than always buying new materials? Mm. Um, and that feels really fun to me. Mm. Uh, it is a very natural process. One of the things I was going to ask you, right? Because, like, there's only a certain amount of home furniture, furnishings, things that you can use, throws, blankets, cushions, that kind of thing. Would you not be. Uh, f- from a strictly business point of view, would you not look at clothing and think and oh, that kind of thing, or do you want to like? Do you really want to stay in this particular niche of furnishing the home rather than dressing people? Yeah, I mean it's a good question. I think if an opportunity came, I would, I would certainly. Next, sell McCartney. Oh yeah, you never know. I mean, for me, things like bespoke fabrics for whatever project. So if somebody came to me and said, "Oh, we need a, you know, we need a jacket." a fabric made for jackets from recycled wool can you do that that is absolutely something i could do um not sure i could sew those jackets together as well as they might uh, need to be but i do know people that can so 
Yeah. This is the thing. I, I actually saw you know your mind started ticking over there as you're going up with the jacket. Actually, yeah. <laughs> the next time I'm in here, I'll be in a Carrie Cook suit. You know. What's the future of the business, Carrie? Because at the moment, it's great. Gone through the education, learned all these things, made these fantastic products. But at the end of the day, it might not be a must, but if it's going to work, if you're going to be able to do this as a business, you have to start bringing in money out of it. And I'm absolutely not putting any pressure on you here now. But how do you see it? Because obviously you've looked at the market and going, there's a space for me there. What do you have to do now to get into the consciousness of Swedish people and Irish people who are trying to furnish their homes in this way? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is about PR and getting some product photos into magazines and and into sort of influence spaces. You know, funny you talked about home home dressing earlier, where people here in Sweden like to fully dress their homes for sale when they put them on the market. There, there are companies that come in. It's incredible. (laughs) It's incredible, and they bring in these home styling companies to, you know, and so putting my products into those sort of places is really interesting. Um, But also talking to businesses who might have say reception spaces that they want some artwork on the walls that artwork can be made from textiles in fact it's a great thing to have textiles on the wall because it really helps with absorbing sound it creates a more cozy atmosphere and that can be made from recycled materials potentially from their existing product projects so if they've just done a refurb and they've pulled out a bunch of upholstery potentially that can be used to create something new that can hang on a wall so that is kind of where I bring back in my you know client management and uh, interior design project management sort of side is to kind of come alongside other interior designers other architects who need to you know have those elements in their schemes they they want to have products that are recycled that are made in an ethical way that are made in a sustainable way that are unique and that's something that I'd really like to be doing is sort of commissions and working really collaboratively with other designers because it strikes me that you know a big company who wants to be seen to be doing something creative in that way you're coming into their reception the first time like a wall hanging like the kind of things or even just you know the furniture is covered or uses cushions and these things mm. I'd be going okay because there is the thing of we hear it not least with some of the companies that we've mentioned that they talk about environmental responsibility while behind the scenes are kind of not taking it seriously so it, it seems like a great opportunity you know for them to, to actually do something yeah this is actually what we're about and um, have you talked to many big companies or businesses about doing that kind of thing how do you find those discussions or are they just looking for us have a, a cheap and cheerful solution and just oh yeah that's a box ticked kind of thing yeah i mean i think there's a, a combination it's finding the right the right companies to partner with the things that i've got on my loom at the moment are more wall hangings um in that vein and so producing some samples at the moment that i can then go and talk to architects about and go and talk to other interior designers about and say look if you're looking for something for your next hotel reception bar your next offices that you're doing come and come and chat to me because if i can't do it i probably know somebody who can have you had any use from the irish chamber of commerce in sweden when it comes to these discussions because the other thing is we have to say you're only recently finished your education right so you know this is really sort of first steps we're getting in on the ground floor here but have you been able to talk to other companies in the chamber about that kind of thing have they expressed an interest in what you're doing yeah, not yet, but maybe they'll hear this. Maybe having a word with a few people after this. <laughs> but I've been having some really good chats with Kim, who's also on the board, because she's recently launched her home textiles brand. So she has these beautiful blankets made in Ireland, um, which are all wool and cashmere and super gorgeous. So it's been really inspiring to see her kind of doing her textile business and, and learn from what she's doing. And yeah. 
It's been good. You've mentioned before to me that your husband is English, you're Irish, yes. you're here in Sweden. It's okay, don't have to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but you're here in Sweden. Is this the future here, regardless of whether you move back to England or whether you stay here in Sweden? Is this sort of Scandinavian-infused idea of recycling sustainability? Do you think that's that's your future, basically, in this business? Absolutely. I just I feel really passionate about it and you know, very passionate about policy change and, and seeing the industry really move forward. It's a really exciting time. Um, and I think whatever, wherever we end up next, um, which could be in Sweden a while longer, could be anywhere. But, you know, that that be something that I would continue. Drottningholmsvägen 20 is where you are at the Made By Gallery, which has been opened by the lovely Maria here, and it's going to be here until the 20th of December. Where else can people find you? Do you have an online presence, an online store? Where can they give you their money? I do have an online store. It's at carriecookdesign.com, and I'm also on Instagram at carriecookdesign. There you go. Get following Carrie Cook. Get those orders in there, lads. Is there stuff that's ready to be bought off the shelf for Christmas presents and that kind of thing if they're doing that? There is. I've got lots of my beautiful diamond tea towels and I'll also have some cushions up on there as well. And lads, don't be hanging around waiting for a January sale, right? Because this is top class gear. There'll be no discounts. If you're coming back in January, you're still paying full price. Carrie, thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you, Bill. (laughs) There she goes. The absolutely fascinating Carrie Cook there and an amazingly talented woman. The stuff is unbelievable. There's times, lads, where I would have preferred to do the podcast on YouTube and get all the cameras involved and that kind of thing just so you could see some of the stuff that she's doing. It's absolutely beautiful. And sometimes even photographs or video don't do it justice because you can't see this of the proper hues and everything. Oh, it's just beautiful stuff altogether. And the, the texture, the textiles, everything else like that. L- listen to me. Do you, do you think I look like the kind of fella now who's into interior design and that? But as soon as you see what Carrie Cook is doing and some of the talented people that she's exhibiting with are doing. It's just amazing altogether. So do get in there uh, to Drottning Holmes Vegan 20, right at Friedhelms Plans Tunnel Banner Station and get in there. Follow her at Carrie Cook, uh, Carrie Cook Design, I think it is, on Instagram. Go searching for that and see, and I'm sure she'll be able to send you a few links to a few pictures. And that. The stuff is beautiful. I know, is it Michael O'Doherty and his wife? I think they, they were both architects and that, so we'll have to see if we can find a few places. And maybe Marjorie Sundstrom as well might be interested in seeing uh, some of Carrie's stuff because, you know, people in the hotel business or people with big uh, corporate receptions that might be interesting because as I say the stuff is absolutely magic and to be able to say that somebody like that has helped out and done these things in a very well thought out and sustainable and creative manner would be something else altogether right as I said Christmas is approaching so next week we're going to do the old business shout outs again right and uh, we're going to fairly broad, right? But uh, it's going to be a lot of food and drinks and pubs and who's serving what and who's serving Christmas dinners and where to get your Yule must from Tusht, uh, from, from Carl Stein and the various different beers that are on offer as well. So anybody who's listening to this, who's involved in any sort of catering and food and drinks and microbrewing and anything else like that, right? Get in touch. Send me the voice note to 070-721-7715. 070 721-7715 that's my number right uh, if you send me a message there I can send you the link to the Irish and Sweden group uh, that we have the Irish and Sweden community on WhatsApp and uh, send me the voice note then if you're doing anything less is more in Gothenburg I'm sure that uh, there's a few books knocking around down there that uh, you'd love to get rid of so you know get on to me with all of these suggestions ideas and I'll drop them all into the podcast next week there's another couple of podcasts actually that are worth your while this week that I've done 
Uh, I spoke to a man called Patrick Rogers on the Global Gale podcast about the mother and baby homes and the situation at the moment uh, in Ireland because there is compensation on offer from people who went through that awful, awful system that we had uh, until the mid-1990s, if not a little bit later there. So there's a lot of information that that Patrick was able to pass on to me. And there's going to be another podcast. I'm not going to say that now because I'm, I'm recording it just after this one, right? So there's another podcast to come, but I'm hoping that's going to be an absolute dinger altogether. So uh, check out the Arrowman in Stockholm podcast feed share it about okay so do feel free to tell people and the global gale especially if you know other irish people in australia uh, where claire king and kieran are at the moment i think kieran is down there working for a few months and himself and claire and the kids are down there i hope they're having a marvelous time down there and that they'll be celebrating christmas on the beach but yeah so hopefully they'll be spreading the global gale podcast down there and you can maybe help me spread it as well right if you have any ideas if you're looking for that and if you need that feel free to get in touch but let us draw a line under it there until next week my friends take care of yourselves take care of one another and i'll be back again next monday morning with another episode of the irish in sweden podcast good luck